with Downs Rackland Martin. Bring us some stories that have not been as front and center as some stories have, so we can, but they're still really important issues. And the one that I know you're going to focus on today is the after school and summer programs and the fact that there has, it has turned into this big controversy over what seemed like uh, a, a, a small issue and a small pot of money. So can you tell us, sort of crystallize what the issue is here for us? Sure. So it's I, I call this how a seemingly little technical fix turned into a whole big thing. That's my official title for this whole uh, topic. And um, if you don't mind, um, I guess I would just back up and kind of talk a little bit about what an after-school program is um, and just explain that nowadays it's not uncommon for people to refer to it as out-of-school time. Uh, generally, we mean programs that are safe, enriching places where kids can go when they are not in regular school hours. So not just the hours after school, but sometimes before school or school summer vacation and um, and summer. And, uh, and many programs are co-located at schools, but oftentimes they are separately located in different facilities. Oh. And, yeah. Oh, got it. I thought you. I thought was. I thought that was a stop point right there. You stopped. But is there more to that? Uh, yeah, just I think the there's a discussion of whether after school is only meant to be academic as opposed to all the other things that it can be. And my answer would be no, not necessarily, or even primarily, are they meant to be academic in nature? OST programs can certainly include academic enrichment, but they're meant to be a lot more than that. Sometimes it's a respite for kids from the school hours where they can explore a new hobby, develop healthy habits, life skills, social-emotional learning, just shooting hoops with their friends, um, structured playtime or hang time with friends, and um, the providers uh, offer nutritious snacks and meals. They become community hubs in which some of these families can um, access community services through the after-school programs, and it is just generally speaking a safe space for kids to to interact with adults who care about their health and safety. Um, and uh, yep. just that that's a that's yep. a crucial uh, thing that that they do. Yep. And um, despite the fact that OST after school is not meant to be only academic. Studies do show that kids in after school attend school more often, get, they get better grades, and they're more likely to graduate high school. Uh, so, But these, generally speaking, these are programs that can be run by libraries and community recreation groups. And really the current system is a diverse tapestry of providers, both schools and nonprofits and community groups. Yep. Uh, okay, and now let's get into this funding snafu. Where my, my understanding, this is an article that was in VT Digger about a week or so ago, uh, and it talks about that the cannabis sales tax, new revenue, relatively new revenue, was supposed to be what was going to fund this program. But now I know Ruth Hardy, Addison County Senator, stood up on the floor and was really unhappy about it, and apparently others were as well, although it did pass the Senate. Uh, but what is this big problem with the funding source and why it has become so controversial? Yeah, so I think just to back up a bit uh, before we get to that, the governor set a goal in 2020 uh, to achieve universal after school in his State of the State speech. And this was in support of work that the legislature had been doing for years to to 
to build data and build a case around the power of after school and that it should um, and that we should work towards a sustainable state funding source. And um, and also in 2020, what happened was the cannabis program was created. And so there was this very clear nexus between the need for universal after school and the power that it has to um, to for prevention and, and for the promotion of healthy lifestyles amongst kids whilst you're also opening this adult use cannabis market. So those were seen to be like a complementary um, and useful things to put together at that, at that time. Um, and also that's when they decided to dedicate the cannabis sales tax revenues in 2020. And, um, and then uh, the funds were at that time parked in the education fund, but they had a, a special fence around them, this notwithstanding clause that um, basically protected the funds from just being regular education funds. So that's what happened in 2020. Then in 2022, October of 2022, the cannabis market opened. So all of a sudden, <clears throat> there were revenues available to create a grant program. So the legislature, in its budget bill last year, Act 78 of 2023, said that the Agency of Education shall have this advisory group advising it and advising it, and they will set up this grant program. The total amount of money is $4 million, 500000 of which go to the AOE for administration, leaving $3.5 million in the pot for the broad spectrum of after-school providers to apply for these funds and try to achieve this thing of getting to underserved areas of the state and, um, and really provide more opportunities for kids. Uh, and there, why was there controversy? So um, because this this kind of technical thing, which I don't want to go too into the weeds on because I think it gets boring, but but there was, so there was money in the Ed Fund, but it was fenced off. Last year's budget bill accidentally removed the fence. So then you just have the cannabis sales tax sitting in the Ed Fund completely unfettered. And, um, and while nobody had yet suggested, let's just take it because we're in this crisis, you know, of, of paying for Ed spending, it's very dangerous to just have it be loose in the Ed Fund with no fence around it whatsoever. So the fight, the crux of the controversy became whether to create this special after-school fund in the budget adjustment bill, which had been the governor's recommend and, and the appropriations committees had both largely supported it. But in the background, and um, there are, there's a, a huge freshman class and they were sort of the biggest drivers behind the what I'll call the opposition, meaning they wanted to keep it just in the Ed Fund. And so it became this kind of clarion call of like, uh, you know, if you support this special fund, you don't support public education. If you support this special fund, which means that multiple sectors can apply directly for the grant, you are quote unquote Dealing from public education. This was kind of the narrative that was rewritten by um, by the folks that were opposed to the special fund. So, is it, a, know, is, it a, is it an accurate narrative? Uh, no, it's not an accurate narrative because the 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 intent legislative intent was always clearly stated, and including in last year's budget bill, which you know set the mechanism in place to uh, build a grant program and. Um, and uh, set the mechanism in place to, to build a grant program and, and move forward with uh, universal after school with a mixed delivery system, which that, that word 
those wordings are in the budget bill as well. Um, that included public, private, and nonprofit partners is how it reads in the budget bill. So it so it did ultimately pass the Senate. I think I read eighteen to ten. Is that right? Yeah, the original vote, there were a couple uh, not voting. So, yeah, it was 18 to 10 on the vote just on the after-school amendment. And then there was the full budget adjustment passed, I believe, uh, I want to say 21-8, maybe, something like that. And, and then the final when it, the, the final vote was 25 to 3. So, So is there, in your estimation, Gabrielle, is there a... Is there a battle coming though in the House? Does the House is the House likely to go along with the Senate vote? And if this didn't pass, where would it leave the after-school and summer programming? Yeah, so I think that the House um, the House does not even have formal position uh, possession of the bill from the Senate yet. This is the Budget Adjustment Act, which is called H eight three nine. And um, so they discussed it in, in um, committee yesterday, and they went over the changes with Joint Fiscal Office. They reviewed the changes. There are some significant changes, way more significant than the creation of the after-school special fund. So there's work to be done. So very likely it would go to conference committee, but they haven't made those decisions yet. So I don't know. Um, and I think if, um, you know, if in the event that it were not to happen, you know, we'll go back to the drawing board and, um, and, you know, we're not going to give up on universal after school by any stretch of the imagination, but there are real implications to limiting the um, applicants to only LEAs. There are LEAs throughout the state that don't want to deal with it. They don't want to apply to a 42 page grant from the agency of education they don't want to start a new program. So they rely on partnerships with these other entities to do the work for them. And that's a, that's a healthy thing. Nobody's complaining about that. That right. should continue. Those are beneficial partnerships that help kids and, is, and, is, and help the schools, quite frankly. And, and Gabrielle, is part of this, is it kind of, does it kind of get uh, bottled up with the Supreme Court decision out of Maine, which I know that's been something the legislature's been talking about a lot, which is, is um, funding for private and independent schools? Yeah, it absolutely is caught up in that. And in fact, last year when they were doing the child care bill and they're going to have to deal with pre-K next year, every single thing that involves a child and intersects in one way or another with public school becomes a proxy battle of Carson v. Macon. There's, there's no way to not have those discussions nowadays with this very activated group that kind of sees um, danger and insult everywhere when it comes to this subject. So, um, so yeah, so it is, it is very much a proxy Carson v. Macon battle. So there's this practical element of who gets to apply and um, and one of the issues raised by legislators was that they, they felt that there was more anti-discrimination protection coming from a school district overseeing, uh, say, a nonprofit than it would be from the AOE. But it, um, you know, several legislators, after listening to three hours of joint testimony in the House and Human Services Committees, felt that they were actually quite convinced that there was no difference in anti-discrimination protection, uh, whether it was the LEAs or the AOE. And um, so, yeah, so it would be, it's 
much more clear cut for every sector that is currently providing quality after school to be able to apply for this extremely rigorous grant program. I was going to say, if, if it costs a half a million dollars to administer to, ta- to dole out three and a half, it must be relatively rigorous. Uh, yeah. We got, a, we got uh, a call for you. Let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Hi. This is throwing a lot of information out there. It's kind of going over my head. Just give me like a cliff note version. Um, it, that was a, hard for me to hear. Yeah, he. Uh, the caller just said it's a lot of information uh, all at once, kind of going over his head. The, he just wanted the the cliff note version. Yeah, I guess the cliff note version I would say has to do with um, a fight over funding, <laughs> um, where you know there are public schools that are under extreme duress right now. There are these ballooning property tax issues and school boards having to go back to the drawing board or, or, or actually choosing not to go back to the drawing board. And, you know, we really, as a state, are grappling with what the heck our property tax is actually going to look like. And so there's this, this real kind of sense that this is an inflection point and a place to change. And so while I think the folks in the after-school world would not have seen this as part of that battle and weren't, and they weren't part of that battle, we feel like we've been dragged into that battle a little bit. And, um, and, and is there, there's a, at least a group of legislators, is this true, probably it sounds like maybe in the minority, that are concerned about, um, you know, that they feel it's not supporting public schools and they don't want to give the money to private independent schools they, and they want to control that money. Is that, is that part of the narrative? I think it's a proxy of that because we're not talking about independent schools. I mean, it, we could theoretically be talking about an independent school, but we're really talking about the, you know, the current mix, which is uh, public schools, community providers, and nonprofit providers. So, um, so I think it's, it gets conflated, but it's not really the same thing. All right. Well, thanks for for uh, alerting us to this. It's it's an important issue. It's it's a, it's not a big pot of money in regard to the entire budget, but it's an important issue. And yeah, uh, Gabrielle, uh, thank you for being on the morning drive today. Thank you for that Downs Rackland Martin legislative report. We appreciate it. You are welcome. Thanks a lot, Gabrielle. Okay, All right. Bye. And we uh, we have a. Downs Rackland Martin report every Wednesday on what's going on in the legislature. We we dig into one. Every morning, Kurt and Anthony keep you in touch with your community with the morning drive on News Talk WVMT. More cowbell, please. We are back on the morning drive with Kurt and Anthony on this hump day Wednesday. And happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And it's now time for our weekly Downs Racklin Martin Legislative Report. And we have Gabrielle Molina with us this morning. Good morning, Gabrielle. Good morning. Happy to be here. Uh, yes, and happy Valentine's Day to you. Thanks to you, too. All right. Do you so, celebrate Valentine's Day? Of course, I have to. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I actually boycott it personally. But, oh, you do? Um, okay. That's a whole other story. Yeah. I'll tell you that's a whole, whole other story. <laughs> now, okay, so the story we're going to talk about now today, and I, I really appreciate that you guys.